You are Locked On Bama, your daily podcast on the Alabama Crimson Tide. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody, and welcome back into Locked On Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me. Jimmy Stein, that's him. Jimmy, how are you today? Doing well, doing well. Uh, we uh, we beat them again. We beat them badly again. It, it continues the cycle of beat the crap out of them in Tuscaloosa, lose to them in Auburn uh, by one fluky play in a game in which they catch 17,000 breaks and we lose by one score. Yep, when we play in Tuscaloosa, we win by like five and six touchdowns. I mean, it's, it's like a, it feels like it's been this way since uh since nick saban got here yeah i think that's that's probably true this episode is brought to you by built bar built bar we'll talk about them in just a bit go check them out at builtbar.com after you listen to our wonderful podcast okay jimmy um man that was pretty satisfying like snickers after sex satisfying that was Yikes, really, never tried really that. good um i i enjoyed that game tremendously i was there obviously I, I got to sit in a, uh, <laughs> I got to sit in the skybox and uh, enjoyed that as well. And um, man, I gotta say, I, I was a little I, look. I'm always worried about the Iron Bowl just because it's the Iron Bowl, right? And crazy things happen. But I, after our first drive, you know, they elect they won the toss and elected to receive, which I thought was bizarre, frankly. Um, but uh, so then we get the ball after a nice three and out and we go three and out ourselves on a, you know, I guess it's like uh, I, I listened to some of the replay already and um, Gary Danielson said, eh, that's kind of a BS call on Alex Leatherwood, but you know, it happens. I mean, you get calls and whatever. Um, and, or we would have had a first down and probably gone down and scored. And then we do, you know, end up having a big play for Devontae Smith. And I think we should start there. Who's your star of the game? Is it Devontae or is it Mac Jones? That's such a great question. Uh, and as usual, I'll give some sort of half, half-ass half lawyer answer to that. I'm going to say it's Mac Jones uh, simply because not every great throw Mac made went to Devontae. I mean, Mac made an incredible throw to Billingsley couple of touchdowns to Mechie he was 18 of 26 with five touchdowns. Uh, I, I think it's Mac, but at the same time, I will tell you that if I had a Heisman vote, it would go to Mac Jones to win the Heisman. But in the same sense, if you ask me who's the best player on Alabama's football team, I'd tell you it's Devonte Smith. So I, it's kind of, I don't, I don't, I don't really know how to answer it. It's like, I'm going to say Mac, but anybody that says Devontae was the MVP, I, I certainly don't disagree. Devontae's like the MVP every week because he's he's the best player on the team and he plays like it every week. Yeah, I think that's that's probably the right answer. And here's the thing. Because of the way the Heisman is structured, I think that Mac Jones is the Heisman candidate, but Devontae Smith is the best player. I mean, yeah, exactly. there have been many times when the best player on our team is a defensive player, but it's he's not going to win the Heisman. So right. – <clears throat> I also think it's Mac Jones too, and I think for a couple reasons. That play you mentioned to Billingsley was oh. just delicious. I don't know another adjective to describe it other than what a throw, what a throw, what a catch. He stepped up into the. There, there was no play that better defined Mac Jones versus Bo Nix than that play right there. 
Mac Jones has a pocket presence. He knows what's happening around him for the most part. And he stepped up into the pocket, dodged a defender who I thought for a second was going to rip the ball out of his hands, but he was able to get past that, step up into the pocket, and then make an on-the-money throw in the only place he could put it. I mean, it was really – it was like one of those throws that it's tough to – Jimmy used to play that game called Brick Breaker where you, you know, you're a little paddle. It's like Pong, but you're trying to break all these bricks. And you, like, you're like, how am I going to make this shot? And you sort of just – you know, give it your best whirl and do some old geometry in your head. And every now and again, you make the perfect brick breaker shot. And that's what it looked like to me. He was uh, he was on target. And then on top of that, he made what was both the best and the 100% slowest <laughs> I've ever seen in my life on Big Cat Bryant. I've never seen somebody use his feet to stop four times and then still be able to juke somebody the way he juked Big Cat Bryant to get that first down on third and two. That was amazing. Yeah. Uh, great. Uh, and by the way, to go back to a point you were making about Billingsley, which I thought if, if I'm – assuming Sark comes back and he's not the head coach at, at Michigan or Texas, if for all we know, the freaking Seattle Seahawks next year, uh, if Sark is back, one of the things I would love for Sark to do or whatever, whoever's ROC next year, is watch tape of florida and how they use kyle pitts yes because that could be a real education as to how we can use jaleel billingsley next year because billingsley is turning into a weapon for us now but next year with Devonte gone and waddle gone uh as crazy as it sounds i mean billingsley i mean he could he could be the the premier you know the the premier pass target the premier playmaker outside it's just never happened in alabama history that our premier playmaker on the offense is, is a tight end type. So however Florida uses Kyle Pitts, who is their best player and their scariest weapon outside, uh, Billingsley is completely capable of doing next year what Kyle Pitts does for Florida this year. Well, I hope while everybody was watching the game, you downed some cold cores lights. I'm going to tell you. I had oh, cool I did. Lights. Yeah, I did. Oh, I did. I had some cold Coors Lights in the skybox. They were absolutely delicious. Um, they helped take the edge off the game right there at the beginning, and then they helped me celebrate towards the end. Coors Light is the beer made to chill. When you have a week like we've had this past week, all this Thanksgiving, and you're, you know, the family that some of them you like, some of them you don't like, they're coming into town and they're invading <laughs> your personal space and not honoring boundaries. You know, you need to take the edge <laughs> off and. <laughs> Coors Light is the beer made to chill. Go check them out, www.coorslight.com, if you want to read up on anything that's happening in the world of Coors Light. I've toured the facility where everything is brewed, which is right there in Golden, Colorado. It's a lot of fun. I would highly recommend it for anybody. But one thing that we want you to do is celebrate responsibly so that when you're singing Dixieland Delight, towards the end of the Iron Bowl, and you want to throw a few F-bombs in there, you do it responsibly, but do it while drinking a Coors Light. Jimmy. Coors um, Light also helped me go to bed last night at the very reasonable hour of 8.30. I dig that. I dig that. Yeah. Man, I, thank you. Look, thank I, you. I, I thank done you, it. Golden, Colorado. Let me say this about that. I came home. Um, you know, this is this is the the now. First of all, you have a, a condo kind of close to the stadium, so you're all good. But like, so my wife and I had to drive back from Birmingham. I mean, from uh, Tuscaloosa to Birmingham, to Birmingham, and it was all, the traffic was amazingly good. I just I loved it. I mean, I was like, this is the this is the bomb. So um, I kind of I'm starting to get into this 
you know, it, Hey, we're going to isolate a little more thing, but, um, <laughs> well, some it does alone, help with traffic flow. It yeah, does help with traffic alone, flow. I'm sure. I mean, there's, a, there's some bad sides. I mean, don't get me wrong, but, uh, so, um, when I, I get in the car and, you know, the first thing I want to do is check out, uh, message boards, both Alabama and Auburn. And I, I got to give most Auburn fans props. They were like, we're not at the same level they are. And I dig that. And I was like, okay, that's cool. But there were the Auburn fans that had to do something about the game is fixed. It was fixed from the start. Did you see Seth Williams get his jersey pulled? And I did see Seth Williams get his jersey pulled. I have no problem admitting it. They missed that call. Now, I'll say this. When I was watching it um, live, I thought that he had pulled his towel out. That's that's how bad of a jerk it was. Um, But they just didn't call it. And here's the thing. Seth Williams could have just caught the touchdown a couple of plays later and just been a touchdown. You right, know? that's on them. Yeah, so, that's yeah. on them. <clears throat> so it's, it didn't af- and it didn't affect anything. And there were some missed pass interference on on uh, Auburn v Alabama. And also, Auburn fans, you, you've gotten so many breaks this year. Please, for the love of all things holy and religious, don't complain about officiating. You should be two and whatever the hell you are. You should not have five wins on your resume. And here's the other thing. Plain, complaining about officiating in that game is like complaining about not having a window seat on the Hindenburg. <laughs> uh, well, you know, Cecil Hurt, you know, already said it this morning in his awesome column, Cecil's Sunday column is just mandatory reading for all Alabama fans. I know, I know you all do that. And, uh, you know, it, it really sums up the series. And, and I, I sort of said it to, to start the show, but it's like when Auburn beats Alabama, there is some really weird – it's almost always a Jordan Hare, and there's some really weird play, and the game has a name – you know, so you remember it forever. Punt, Bama punt, kick six, the Najee butt interception. Uh, I mean, just some, you know, the, the Auburn wins are classic, and it could go either way, and Auburn gets a bunch of breaks, and then they win by one snap. Uh, but then when Alabama beats Auburn, it's by six touchdowns. The best team wins, and it's not close, and it's not an entertaining game because one team is clearly way better than the other team. And then it's never talked about again because Alabama's got bigger fish to fry like this season when Alabama's got two games left and then a postseason, and uh and Cecil put that a lot better than I did but uh I just think it's where the Auburn game is now and and I think it's because of recruiting I mean that's why we recruit a lot better than Auburn so when we play our best uh we kill them uh now Auburn does recruit well and they have a handful of dudes and when they can get a bunch of breaks, they're good enough to play with us. But they need a bunch of breaks. And for whatever reason, lately, they've tended to get them in their stadium. And I'll bet you, no matter how good Bryce Young is next year, no matter how good Alabama is next year, uh, even though we just destroyed Auburn, and I'm not really sure what they're, what they're going to put on the field next season, you can bet we're going to be sweating it out in, in Jordan Harry year from now. Now, I'm, I'm right there with you. I feel the same way. Unless unless things really hit the skids these last couple of weeks for Auburn, which is something we can talk about in later podcasts this week. Um, I think that's something we can address because it is relevant to Alabama about the future of Gus Malzahn. Things are really weird in Auburn right now when you look around the league. And first of all, they don't have a win over a team with a winning record since last year's Iron Bowl. Um and next year they could bring a lot of dudes back. I mean, they could bring their offensive line back, but I mean, is that a is that a positive or a curse? Yeah. 
Um, and yeah. Bo Nix, Bo Nix also comes back, but you, so I don't know what Auburn's necessarily going to bring back. I would assume something like, um, you know, Seth Williams would go pro. I assume, I, I mean, it, it doesn't matter if Big Cat Bryant and the light go Shorts pro. Shorts could go pro. Shorts could go pro on, and, yeah, and be I would, drafted on speed alone. Yeah, he needs to do something. I mean, let me say, the, here's the thing about Schwartz. Um, this is why he didn't really scare me as much as, say, Seth Williams, even though Williams ironically dropped the touchdown pass. Schwartz will never get a 50-50 ball. Schwartz has to be wide right. open and in space. Uh, Malachi Moore just absolutely out-muscled him for that ball. I mean, just wanted it more because that's not Schwartz's thing. And I'm not necessarily cutting on Schwartz. He's a hell of a player. I'm just saying that that's not his bag. He's not he's not fast and aggressive like Henry Ruggs. That's not his, what he does. He's just really, really fast and, and good for him. But that's just – that's the thing. Back to Alabama just for a second. I think we need to give a lot of props to the defense. I do hate that Auburn scored that late touchdown. I thought it was, you know, kind of bush league that they were keeping the starters out there. And, of course, we had to keep some of our starters out there. But by that time, they weren't quite as motivated to really keep Auburn out of the end zone. I mean, what's the big whoop? I also really just hated it that after Brian Branch gets that big interception that um, on the very next play, Brian Robinson fumbles. I mean, damn it. All right. I just hated that, not only because I wanted to put up as many points as possible, but it just it, it that just put a damper on the on the ending of the game to me. Yeah, we played so uh, well, you know, from the beginning. And I guess that was I mean, it's one of the things I was gonna ask you today. Uh you know, was that Alabama's best performance uh, so far this year? Was that the best Alabama has played? I I think so, uh, because the defense has finally, you know, really come to life. But in retro, in retrospect, you might have to say the Texas A&M game was the best we've played because we so thoroughly trounced a team that has been entrenched at number five or six, you know, in the nation. I mean, that's a, a you know a team ranked fifth or sixth, and we beat them by four touchdowns. Uh, you know, but I, I would just say our defense is is, is is a better is a better unit now than it was at the time we played A&M. But I I don't know. I mean, I don't know the answer to that question. I mean, what do you think is What's the best game Alabama's played in this 2020 season? I think it's Texas A&M too. I think it's Texas A&M yeah. also because we have uh, we had Jalen Waddle on that team, so we were just the better oh, team. Great point. Um, yeah, and great point. even though even though A&M scored more points, um, I would argue A&M is just flat out better than Auburn. I'm going to be kind of shocked if the spread in that game isn't at least seven points in favor of A&M. I, I mean, if it's something smaller than that, I'm going to be a little shocked hey. because. A and M um, is better. A and M A and M is better than Auburn. They're a better team than Auburn. A and M's offense is better than Auburn's offense. A and M's defense is a hell of a lot better than Auburn's defense. And Auburn's defense is not bad, but but A and M's defense is maybe the best in the SEC. Certainly among the top three. Uh, so A and M's better than Auburn. But the games at Jordan Hare, it would be so Auburn to win that game next week, and so Gus Malzahn just. Every time that you put the you get you prepare the toe tag and get ready to put it on Gus's career, then he beats the number five team in the country and and then he becomes hard to get rid of. I mean that that's you know again I'm going to pick A and M to win the game because I, I usually almost always pick the best team to win the game and A and M's a better team so I'm going to pick A and M. But it would be so Auburn to upset the Aggies next week at Jordan Air. 
yeah, I, I think that could happen, but I'm, I'm like you at this point, and I'm going to have to go – I'm going to say CBS will probably pick that game to um, enter into the Alabama-LSU game, A&M at Auburn, and they're going to have a doubleheader next week to make up for the one that got uh, COVIDed out. So, um, yeah, that's going to be – and I'm glad now that, that CBS has officially said and, and the SEC has said Alabama-LSU will be at 7 o'clock next week because I think we're all kind of looking forward to that game and we'll certainly talk about it all this week for right now though I want to tell everybody to check out Built Bar BuiltBar.com B-U-I-L-T-B-A-R.com go check them out use the promo code locked on you will get a big discount on your order it is absolutely awesome stuff these are nutritious health bars that are good for you and they taste fantastic Covered in chocolate, 18 flavors. Carrot cake is my favorite. Go check them out at BuiltBar.com. Be sure to use the promo code Locked On. I promise you, you will not regret getting some Built Bars. You want to talk about a stocking stuffer? These are fantastic stocking stuffers. Don't just go get a bunch of Milky Ways and stuff like that that your kids are going to get all chunked up on. And you got to get, you know, got to get them a personal trainer to get that ex- those extra pounds off. Uh-uh. Get built bars. Tell them it's a Milky Way. They won't know the difference because it tastes that good and they will be a lot healthier for it. Builtbar.com, B U I L T B A R.com, promo code locked on. Okay, Jimmy, uh, final segment here. Um, just in closing, anything, any other observations about the game? I thought that uh, it, it was, you know, it, it, it there were a few things that just puzzled me about Malzahn. Um, the 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 second field goal attempt. I know it was fourth and ten, I believe it was. But why right. on earth did you think a field goal was going to help you there? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I didn't understand several things Gus did last night, but that's that's their that's their problem. Uh, I think Sark outcoached Gus Malzahn last night, but you know, on the other hand, Sark, Sark Sark's dealt a better hand in terms of his personnel. Yeah. Uh, the thing that stands out to me is the improvement of the defense, and I know we scored a lot of points, and Max right back up there, and with all the Heisman talk, and and, and deservedly so. But what I want to talk about briefly is the defense. You know, the defense has improved, so let's credit Pete a little bit there. If we were on Pete a lot early in the season, you have to give Pete some credit for how the defense has improved. But let me tell you why I think the defense is better. I don't think it's necessarily that the light came on or they're getting it or Dylan's getting more comfortable calling the defense. I don't think it's that at all. I think it's personnel, and in particular, four true freshmen, four true freshmen that have sort of grown up in front of our eyes from game one till now, and now they're not playing like freshmen. Now they're playing like or played great last night. Number one, Tim Smith who's playing a lot of snaps now at nose guard. Tim Smith was disruptive. He's good. He's going to be a superstar player. This is a guy going from someone we didn't talk about a lot this year because he didn't really become a significant player till late in the year, but he'll be one of the very best players on the whole team next year. Tim Smith uh, is just a fantastic nose guard, and he's going to have a long career if he stays healthy. He's great. Will Anderson, who, who got a sack last night, he sacked Bo Nix, uh, we thought we'd see more sacks from Will this year, and that's a shame that he has it. But he did get one last night, and Will Anderson has been a disruptive, great player. There's no doubt of how good Will Anderson is going to be over the next two years before he becomes a first-round draft pick and a three-and-done type kid. And, of course, uh, I'll save the best for last, but Brian Branch, 
another true freshman with an interception last night, became a significant player in the secondary halfway through the season. Now he's becoming one of our better players. Uh, and then finally, but certainly not, not least, Malachi Moore, who is already one of the best players on the team. It's incredible to say that at Nick Saban's Alabama, but it's true. Malachi Moore is a true freshman and is one of the very best players we put on the field every week. He is fantastic. Of all people, the guy that we've compared him to, kind of funny, every time, you know, early in the year when Malachi was standing out, we're like, man, he's a lot like the Honey Badger was at LSU. He's a lot like him. And then who tweets at Malachi Moore late last night after the game was over? The Honey Badger himself, Taran Matthew, who tweeted on his, uh, on his Twitter account last night, wow, that number 13 at Bama looks a lot like number 14 did at LSU a few years ago, referring to himself. So uh, the comparison from Malachi to the Honey Badger is now a national thing and not just Alabama fans going, wow, he's like Teron Matthew. Uh, Malachi Moore and his story is just incredible, how he was one of the most lightly recruited guys in the recruiting class, starts game one, and by the end of the year, frankly, he's playing like an All-SEC player. He, he would deserve at least second-team All-SEC the way he's played. So uh, that's why Alabama's defense has improved. It's been the maturation of those four freshmen, Tim Smith, Will Anderson, Brian Branch, and Malachi Moore. And thankfully, we get them for at least uh, two more football seasons. Yeah, it could actually be five if everything just yep. – if we just love playing college football, which – you know, I'd much rather get paid gazillions of dollars, but, uh, you know, <laughs> hey, I hope they stick around. Um, here's the other thing that was that bothered me so much, and I think epitomizes Gus Malzahn as a coach, is so, all, first of all, Bo Nix has the most incomprehensible uh, intentional grounding penalty I've ever seen in my life. I've never seen an intentional grounding called when the quarterback throws it 50 yards in the air to the end zone, but there's nobody there clearly for 30 yards, do you have to say, hey, I mean, that's the same thing as grounding. And, I mean, there was no question it was grounding. And then instead of the 10-second runoff, Gus calls the timeout, which everybody's like, can we just get to Dixieland Delight, dude? And then he um, and then he calls a running play. What is wrong yep. with that, man? I guess this is what happens when you take Waffle House away from Gus. You know, he hasn't been able to eat at the Waffle House all year, and maybe he's gone crazy. <laughs> that could very well be it. Um, you don't know what drives that man sometimes. Um, but overall, just a fantastic performance. I don't think it's the best performance that we will have this season, and I think we're going to need some better performances. Although i got to say, I, I know you and I both are in agreement on this, and we'll talk about it in, this, in the pods coming up. With Alabama and LSU coming up at 7 o'clock, there are rumors now Terrence Marshall at LSU is opting out. I wouldn't be surprised if a couple other dudes opted out. Um, LSU did not look good again against Texas A&M, although A&M didn't look like world beaters either. Um, you know, it could be we, – we expect Alabama to play a fantastic game this Saturday night. The spread's already come out at Alabama minus 25. But we are both – 25? Yeah, we're both concerned. I haven't seen that. It's 25. It just happened. It just now happened. That That's is, a lot of. Points. I mean, I'm not against it because, frankly, I've already picked uh, in my head. I'm leaning to picking Alabama to win by more than 25. But it is just stunning. They're the defending national champions. We're playing them in their place, and we're favored by 25 points. That is yeah, mind mind bottling, as they say on TI. 
<laughs> it is. Uh, it's it's a little bizarre. Also, the new Heisman Trophy. Uh, what I, my point was that what we were going to say was that um, we're both mildly concerned about playing Arkansas the week after next because we assume we'll have a letdown game as that's a sandwich contest against a team that's historically not good against us. And then we got to play Florida the next week. So that could make things interesting here. By the way, new Heisman Trophy odds just came out. Kyle Trask at minus 135. Mac Jones is next at plus 150. And then you go to Trevor Lawrence plus 900. So this seems like a two-man wow. race right at the point. Wow. Um, that is huge yeah. news. And and it's great. Hey, if, if Mac is in, if, if, if it comes down to, hey, it is a two-man race, it's, it's Kyle Trask or Mac Jones to win the Heisman, that sets up perfectly for Mac because he gets to play against Kyle Trask and all the voters will get to watch and and recency bias, man, it is a real thing. It affects everyday people, and it affects Heisman voters. And if, and if Kyle Trask and Mac Jones are one and two in these Heisman polls, and we go into championship Saturday, and it's Trask versus Mac in Atlanta, I tell you, whoever plays best that day is walking out of there with the trophy. And I'm looking at the other lines, and Texas A&M is only a four-point favorite at Auburn. And, I, I mean, this is just going to be, have to be one of those things where the bookies just going to have to take my money. I mean, I, I know Auburn has got is, – is built – the Jordan-Hare Stadium is built on an Indian burial ground on top of a series of uh, dinosaurs, unicorn bones, and alien spacecrafts. But Texas A&M is a lot better than Auburn. And I think yeah. Texas A&M has a chance to run them out of the gym. I would be all over A&M uh, with just that minus four, no doubt. But like you said, <laughs> betting against Auburn at Auburn makes me nervous. It's a recipe right. for disaster. It's, that's what it, it is. is. It is. It but A&M, A&M is four points better than Auburn. Hell, yeah. they're, they're, A&M could win that game as badly as Alabama beat Auburn if, if, if Mond comes to play. Hey, Mond had his – you know, Mond didn't play good against LSU at all. I mean, he is the most infuriating quarterback. <laughs> I am, God, I don't know those A&M fans. I'm sure they have a love-hate thing with Kellen Mond because some weeks – he looks like he's a first-round pick. And then other weeks, he's just bad. And he was bad yesterday. And it's just stunning that even after four years of being their starting quarterback, he remains inconsistent week to week. Yeah, it it really is weird. But I, I suspect he's going to have a big game next week. I really do believe A&M knows that to get into the playoffs at this point, and they have a legit shot because here's the thing, with Ohio State, maybe not having enough games to qualify for their own conference championship. Um, even if, if Ohio State goes undefeated and finishes, what, 5 or 6-0 and or whatever it is, you can't put them in over an A&M team that's only loss is at the beginning of the season against the number one team in the country. I just – I would be disheartened by that considering you, you played nobody, Ohio State, and you didn't – you played half the games of everybody else. That would be bullshit. Yeah, I agree, uh, and, and, and I think Tuesday night on the ESPN ranking show, that's going to be the discussion. I mean, that's going to be the discussion going forward until Ohio State is in or out, is how, how few games can Ohio State play and still be allowed to be in the playoff or voted into the playoff? It's a highly controversial thing. Everyone like us is going to have a hot take on it. Uh, I don't know what the answer to that is. Uh, that's why we have the committee, and I'm sure that I'm sure that room is going to be split. You know, do you take five and zero Ohio State into the playoff? Five and zero over other teams that have played ten and eleven games and only lost once. Uh, it's 
I don't know what's going to happen, uh, but, you know, myself, if it's just five games, I would put in Cincinnati or BYU before I put in Ohio State. If it's five games. Now, if it's six games is when I start, maybe start leaning the other way. To me, I don't know why that's a big number to me, but at some point there's a number of games where it's fine to put them in. I know in my mind that number is greater than five. Uh, is it six? Yeah. Seven, I'd start feeling pretty good about it. Yeah, but, Jimmy, they have to – I think Ohio State's in a position to have to go undefeated and play in their in, in play in their championship game. I, if it's five or six, or but they don't play in their championship game, it doesn't matter. I mean, the, their games remaining are Michigan State, who I know beat Northwestern, but we all know Michigan State sucks. Right, we all know good. Michigan is god-awful. I mean, they have right. mailed it in. And then whoever they play in the championship game is going to be bad. I assume it'll be Northwestern. But, I mean, whoever it is, they're just not good. So Ohio State will have zero resume other than being undefeated, which is the same thing somebody like a Central Florida has every single year. So I feel like um, if you're going to do something, if the committee is going to take that step, this would be the year to do it to say, you know what, Ohio State, we're really sorry that you guys didn't play as many games as everybody else and that your commissioner handcuffed you. That sucks, but we got got to move on. We can't. You know, we got to keep doing our thing. Jimmy, I do want to tell everybody to go check out another podcast called Peacock and Williamson. That's every Monday through Friday. Brian and Matt give you the national perspective all around the NFL, covering the latest news and insight on every game. It's called Locked On's Peacock and Williamson. Um, go check it out on the Locked On Podcast Network. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcast. You get your picks, previews, and much more every weekday with the Peacock and Williamson podcast. All right, buddy, let's do another one here tomorrow, and uh, we'll talk some more Iron Bowl stuff. I'm sure I'll be watching some more highlights and get fired up again, and then we can talk a little bit about LSU coming up. What do you say? I say we owe LSU. We owe them. I'm still pissed about the Moss call down there inside the five-yard line and the the officials ruling it was a catch, and and I'm I'm just mad about the LSU game last year, and and I bet our team is too. So uh, let's – let, 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 let's let's keep this revenge tour going next week. All right, buddy. Roll Tide. Roll Tide.